Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. long time since I've said these words. Hello everybody and welcome to the Hooked On podcast. I'm Rob McNichol. Joining me is my old pal showbiz Paul Benson. We thought we would come and join you since we have just come off the back of the most unique WrestleMania ever. And quite frankly, it's been an interesting 12 months or so since we've last done a podcast. Paul, what have you been up to, mate? Well, there's been a lot going on, hasn't there, in the wider world? Um, let me think, let me think. Well, I've, I've lost I've lost some weight. lost a couple of stone in weight. Yeah. Uh, I've got a new job. Uh, bought um, and some, yeah, decorated my bedroom this week, oh, this nice, week yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, it's been a busy few weeks. Anything else? Anything we're going on for you? Well, your team have had a new manager, the uh, Grimsby Town, change manager. They have, have yeah. So have mine, actually, Plymouth Argyle. Bonded uh, by Ollie, yeah. Yeah, what else is going on in the world? Uh, oh, you know what? You know, there's been that um, there's that coronavirus stuff. What's that? That, that global pandemic. Oh, I don't know. I haven't been out for a little while, so I don't. I haven't been really been listening. But global pandemic is that sounds like a new. Uh, is that the new AEW pay per view? AEW <laughs> global pandemic. I think it might be a while before we get a pay per view out of them or anybody else, mate. To be honest, but uh, let's let's trademark it just in case. Well, okay, we've done an opening to a podcast in which we've talked about wrestling and we've talked about the lockdown, and we haven't done any shit TNA jokes. So that's I think that's a good start to uh, to how we're bringing it to us. Right, let's address we've it. Changed. Of course, it's been a we've horrible, changed a horrible time for everybody. We hope you're all staying safe, doing what you're told, washing your hands, staying inside, and all of that stuff. But we aren't going to bore you with. Uh, our stories of lockdowns and COVID-19s and all that kind of stuff because forget COVID-19 it's been Wrestlemania 36 and what a strange Wrestlemania it was should it have happened should it have happened behind closed doors should it have happened at all should it have been one night should he have won should they have done that lots of different things to talk about but before we get into the uh, the show itself and our thoughts on it because it really is plenty to talk about um as you may know as listeners to this hooked on wrestling have been bringing you live pay-per-view parties for crikey how long now paul seven years eight years seven years mate seven years yeah wow just over that has flown by and we've loved every minute of it and we've we were i don't think and this is genuine after the Royal Rumble, I don't think we have been looking forward to an event as much as we were looking forward to WrestleMania this year. And that's genuine, Paul, isn't it? That's oh, not marketing bullshit. 100%. We were so looking forward to WrestleMania. Drew McIntyre, the Tartan Army, hooked on wrestling's biggest growth market in the last couple of years oh. has been Scotland. And then lo and behold, Drew McIntyre wins the Rumble. The best thing about that is that in England and in Wales and in Northern Ireland, we don't mind Scottish people winning. And in Scotland, they love it. If that had been an Englishman, might not have been so popular in Scotland. <laughs> not quite. Are way more popular in England and Wales and Northern Ireland. And so it was. Uh, we were so excited for Drew, first British potential world champion and all that. And then unfortunately, it all sort of fell through. We had to pull the plug on all the uh, all the events and that kind of thing. It's understandable, but Paul, you must have been gutted, mate, because it was you know forget the finances, but the, just the sheer oh. excitement of it all was going to be so much fun. Yeah, mate. I can't. I can't express how sad 
the whole situation's made me really. It was, it was all that was think in my thoughts. You know, like it, you're right. This was going to be, this was going to be the culmination. Everything we've worked towards, everything you know we've done over the last few years, all this this community and this crowd we've put together. This was going to be the big one. This was going to be when everyone came together. The focus was going to be on the UK. I don't mind telling you now. Um, there was going to be some serious, serious uh, collaboration between us and WE. You know, there were going to be cameras. There was going to be you know representation. It was it was going to be um, it was going to be massive. And I remember sitting there. You know, when all this was going on. You know, obviously, when when we were sitting there on January the twenty eighth, was it watching Drew win the Royal Rumble? You know, coronavirus was was something we knew about, but it was the Chinese problem. You know, it was what they were, it's what they were dealing with over there, and it wasn't. You know, it wasn't even fathomable that um, that it'd be something that affect WrestleMania. And I remember you were the first person I text. You know, a few weeks before it, the shit really started to hit the fan, going, "Do you know what? This might end up causing us a problem." And even then, I didn't quite believe it. I didn't. I just, you know, it's something I thought, "Oh God, you know, this could happen." And then, literally, within ten days of that, you know, the whole world started to, you know, change. It's not an exaggeration to say the world has changed no. um, irreparably as well. Irreparably, not not, not, not irreparably, but in, in ter- per- a permanent change. Permanent, that's for, yeah. for the we better don't know what or worse. Be yet, but, yet to be seen. But the, but the point was, you know, it, you know, we tried. Followers of Fuckton will have seen the, the updates we put put on. We tried absolutely everything, and I was well aware that the absolute worst case scenario for for Hookton, for our, I don't know what I like to, I don't like to call you customers. That's not that's definitely not the right word for it our group our collective was for Wrestlemania to go on in a bastardised semi-fashion and then for the UK pubs all to be closed that was worst case scenario and slowly but surely that became the reality um, and yeah no like heartbroken it's the, it's the worst thing I, you know professionally and I consider this professional rather than personal it's the worst thing that's ever happened to me by an absolute million miles. It was, um, I just, I'm just absolutely gutted. And like you say, Rob, the, the finances are bad enough. You know, the finance, you know, thankfully, what I will say, and this is a big, massive, huge thank you to anyone who's listening to this podcast that was able to, you know, stick with us, not wanting refunds, and willing to roll their tickets onto a future event. I cannot, t- I cannot stress how much that's helped. And I won't lie. It saved these events going forward. If if every single person needed a refund, because we'd spent so much already on promotion and you know hard costs that we have, there wouldn't there wouldn't have been a hooked on wrestling. We'd have the company would have folded, and that would have been it. And um, but luckily, the vast majority of you guys have been so understanding, and it's really brought home just how awesome you all are, um, and how much you know we've all we're all in this together. You know, obviously, we're delighted to do these things for everyone and, and we're really pleased that you guys you know it was a really touching touching moment I had a little weep which I don't often do um, but just to know that you guys had our backs was just just phenomenal and you know mate I don't know if I told you if we even had when I announced it um, that the parties weren't going ahead there was I can't remember I had to do this now but there was a 48 hour lag before I could take the tickets off sale there was some term and condition with the ticket sites that meant I couldn't do it immediately um, and people were emailing me going can I still buy tickets can I still buy tickets and just you know just to support you guys um, and I was wow, like I no I was like no don't do that that's above and beyond but the gesture in itself was 
just you know pick me up man when I was at my absolute lowest 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 ebb you could imagine it it was amazing it was amazing it, it made me determined that's pretty cool and listen we will get on to Wrestlemania in just a second we're not going to be too self-indulgent but um, you know we could sit here and let's I, 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 I could kiss ass to both you and to the uh, and to the, the our supporters our community um, but quite frankly to everyone listening we talk about we Hooked on Wrestling Hooked on Wrestling is Paul Benson right he's the main <laughs> man and he does everything he works the hardest there's a few of us that I think if Paul I think of myself if Paul Benson is Vince McMahon then I, maybe I'm Pat Patterson <laughs> Do you know what I, I mean? think that's fair. I'm the one that's retired four or five times and he keeps dragging me back in to do stuff and I've got ideas and I'm a bit creative. But frankly, after that, I just go back to Florida and put my feet up and, and he does all the work. And so um, I can honestly say, and this is me telling you this, and I think I can say it on behalf of you, the Hooked on Wrestling community, which is that... Uh, I nearly said universe. I can't start, start saying that. <laughs> but um, the people that are out there, um, I think it's the goodwill you've built up. I think over seven years of doing lots of parties. Listen, we've, we've, we've had some failures. We've had some poorly attended shows. We've had some mistakes at venues and whatever. There'll be someone listening going, well, I went to the show in bloody Bournemouth and it was shit because blah, blah, blah. But over the piece, we've probably, we should count one day how many different individual parties we've run because it'll be well into the hundreds. Oh, easy, yeah. Because easy. of the multiple ones in different venues and at different times and whatever. And we've probably only had three or four in which there have been real serious issues. For the most part, we've, we've done okay. And I think your goodwill over the piece, you know, over all that time, providing some good stuff, some fun nights and whatever, I think that your loyalty is... The people's loyalty is because of you. it's giving you a reward for what you've provided I think so I echo what Paul said thank you thank you so much for everyone for uh, sticking by us and here's the cool thing right there's nothing cool about coronavirus and COVID-19 and the people that we're losing and the people that are struggling business wise and all that I get that right I'm not putting a, uh, a, a, a tiny line over any of that but what I will say is that this is starting to make people a bit creative it's starting to make people change the way that they do things for the better uh, and what it does mean is that because WrestleMania didn't go ahead, we will work on something and we will make it up to you. And we have had so many chats in the last week or two about how we can do something going forward and if this happens and if this happens. Listen, we have no idea what it's going to be right now because we could be out of lockdown in a month. We could be in this for another 18 months. Wrestling could stop. Wrestling could carry on. We haven't. We could be allowed in a pub. We might not be allowed in a pub. We don't know. But trust us, we're working on lots of different eventualities and, and coming up with some cool stuff. Yeah. Back to WrestleMania itself. And the funny thing was, within 24 hours of Drew McIntyre winning the Royal Rumble... Paul and I sat and had lunch and had a, like a business meeting over lunch <laughs> and while we were doing so genuinely were googling and emailing to see if we could find bagpipe bands that knew how to play wrestling themes or would be willing to do so because we fancied having bagpipes at Wrestlemania parties and that's true yeah <laughs> we got it we had a few friendly we were we were looking into it. Like, I think we had a ten minute conversation once about whether or not we could get a violinist to do the, the Shinsuke Nakamura theme, and that never really came ahead. But the rag bagpipe thing was a goer, and we couldn't really do it. And all sorts of fun stuff we were going to have for Drew, but uh, maybe we can still do that. Who knows? Well, but, look, uh, the way I see it, we were denied the chance to celebrate Drew's crowning. And Christ, can you imagine how how unbelievable those scenes would have been, especially up at our Glasgow and Edinburgh parties and whatnot? But. Oh. It would have been um well, I say how big it'd have been. It would have been featured on a WWE documentary, Rob. That's how okay. that's how massive it would have been. Um Again. Again. Um but we'll we'll come back to that in a little while. Um but in, in it would have been just absolutely incredible. So we were denied that chance by fate, by the cruel hand of fate. Um we will make sure that we celebrate 
the first British WWE champion, the first Scottish WWE champion, at our earliest possible opportunity. And we have got some, as Rob said, we've got some ideas that are all revolve around pay-per-views. They're bringing in, you know, working in conjunction with some other people, um, and they are. You're gonna like it. Let's put it that yeah, way. I we are, so. we are gonna repay the faith, and we're gonna repay people's, you know brilliance towards us and we're also going to sort of try and celebrate the wider world we don't want anything to be a barrier to people coming to join our next events for the rest of this year we just want to make sure that if you're a wrestling fan and you've got a shit time over the last few months you might have lost your job you might have got ill Christ you might have lost loved ones and if you're a wrestling fan and you want to let your hair down and you want to get back to some normality you can come to our event and that's that and there's going to be no barriers on on getting people in and we're going to need people to spread the word and tell everybody they can that we're putting this on because we want to be we want to get the wrestling fans back together we want to bring this community back together person in, in person and we just want to put some god I was going to sound so cheesy I was going to say smiles on faces we just, <laughs> we just want to get everyone in a room and let's get pissed and talk about wrestling how's that? Uh, good, good. Yeah, let's not talk about putting smiles on faces. Just, be- <laughs> just before we went on air, Paul and I were talking about old WrestleManias and how they had the that sterile corporate feel, and then you started to talk about smiles on faces. But it's a it's a fair point. Listen, it is a fair point. Um, right, we'll we'll stop all the uh, you know the, the sort of internal meeting about a meeting thing now, and we'll go on to uh, WrestleMania itself. I tell you what, let's start with Drew. We we brought him up there. We talked about how he was integral to what we were going to do. He's integral, obviously, to the WWE plans. They had him win the Raw Rumble. I think think everybody could see that the story was going to be that he was going to beat Brock Lesnar. I don't think anyone was surprised that he was going to be beating Brock Lesnar, much the same way that they did with Seth Rollins previously. That was obviously going to be the run, wasn't it? They were going to go yeah. with that. Um, but, obviously, once it all started to, to take, make you know be hitches, people were pulling out of WrestleMania, was WrestleMania going to go ahead, and all this kind of stuff. Once the decision was made, we're going to do Mania behind closed doors, in the performance centre, tape it ahead of time, all that sort of stuff. I'm asking you the question, as a wrestling fan, and as someone that's worked within wrestling, but not with your hooked on head, mm-hmm. was it the right thing to do to have Drew McIntyre beat Brock Lesnar? Should they maybe have either changed the match, or had Brock win, or, or do something else to delay the Drew McIntyre win to give it the win in front of the crowd or did they do the right thing to just stay the course because quite frankly they don't know what's going to happen mm. next it's not like there's an exit strategy at all it's a really complicated question if I'm honest it's a bit more It's a, it, because of the world we're living in now it's a bit more of a complicated question than a simple wrestling booking decision and if I rewind slightly and I'll, I, won't, I won't overdo this but my initial thoughts were that Wrestlemania shouldn't happen I couldn't understand, you know, you know when a company makes a company or an individual makes a decision that you don't agree with, you can usually put yourself in their shoes, take your bias out of it and at least think of a few reasons why they might think it's a good idea, you might not agree with it but you can see the justification I could not see the justification with going ahead with this event at the Performance Centre, I could not see one positive from their point of view to doing this event like this having spoken with plenty of guys from WWE since I am I have you know I've got a bit more of a different perspective on it and I see that they were just desperate to get this event on they were single minded and desperate to get this event on just to give some content to fans um, it's cost them an absolute fortune 
So respect to them for that. It's um, it's an eye-watering amount of money this is going to cost them. And you'll see how much that is when their quarterly results come out. But it's it's a frightening sum of money. But they wanted to do it anyway, and fair play. But that said, if if we're in that position, and they are doing WrestleMania at the Performance Center, um, I would it would have been, I think, in an ideal world, would have been great to find a way to postpone Drew's crowning. But the problem is, we're not in an ideal world like you say who knows when you know who knows when they're going to come back who knows when there's going to be a big pay-per-view again who knows when they're going to have to stop doing TV uh, week to week momentum soon peters out you know and I think they I think they just wanted to get the belt on Drew while they still could under the brand of a Wrestlemania and I'll tell you what I thought was really clever and this only emerged in the last couple of days before the pay-per-view they they turned they attempted to turn a negative into a positive they they Lent, lent into the narrative of Drew being a guy that's never had good luck fall, in, fall into his lap and he said look if I'm going to get a Wrestlemania moment it was always going to be this way there was always going to be problems it was never going to go in my you know it was never going to work out just right for me and he was so he was leading into that and he was also saying look I don't get my Wrestlemania moment but this is everyone's Wrestlemania moment they articulate it a bit better than I'm doing but so with that in mind I think they they marketed it and they, they, they wrapped it up in something that was that made it feel much more meaningful than a WrestleMania moment in an empty warehouse should have done. So what I'm saying is all credit to them for doing the absolute best job they could under the circumstances, but the the circumstances were shit. <laughs> I uh, let's look at this from uh, a television perspective. Um for those of you uh, recently tuning in or you don't know Paul's background Paul's background is very much within television television sales and licensing and, and, and call it what you will um, and so he's an expert in that sort of field um, do you think Paul the fact that WWE have a very very large agreement uh, to show Monday Night Raw and Smackdown on two different networks in America mm. that they are you know obviously the, the whole coronavirus situation worldwide is affecting people Um affecting the ability to produce television but they do have a contractor to produce you know five hours of first run television between Raw and Smackdown every week yeah that presumably is a contractual agreement and so if they renege on it for any reason there is presumably financial implications yep there is that and secondly if we go back four or five years before the uh, the genesis of the WWE network you know obviously the most money was made by WWE on their pay-per-view sales as opposed to on the network subscriptions given that it's totally different this time given that the, the way it works is you know completely different did all that have a bearing on them going ahead with it i.e. if they'd have cancelled you know they'd have cancelled they've had a real issue with their pay-per-view companies and they've had an issue with their television companies um, and obviously cancelling it you know part of the reason for buying the network is getting those pay-per-views do you think the fact that all of those things were, were out there and are financially so important you know, had a huge bearing because you you say it cost them a lot of money and it clearly would have done compared to what they would normally make on Wrestlemania but would it have cost them even more if they'd have shut up shop a month ago stopped doing shows at all um, and then had because I mean obviously if they could have carried on doing empty arena shows but if they'd have cancelled Wrestlemania the mm. whole point of WWE programming is to build to a roughly speaking monthly pay-per-view so if you're just having a weekly TV show it almost feels like you're doing it for the sake of it so if you're doing that you might as well do Wrestlemania do you think in another era they might not have done it they might have they've, you know called it a day um, the show must go on mate 
I think that's yeah, the, that's the I think that's the company ethos. It's not necessarily one I agree with, but and look, without meaning to take this down a, a notch, if the show must go on after Owen Hart dies live on pay-per-view then there isn't really any circumstances where the show doesn't go on um and i think that's that's a good thing and a bad thing you know you remember after 9-11 they were the first people to do a mass gathering of people in the united states and that was just an absolute triumph and really lifted spirits amongst wrestling fans you know worldwide really but certainly in the states um this time around i'm seeing a similar reaction you know uh, the overwhelming thing i'm seeing from people is that they were pleased WWE made a go of it and brought something on to the table that distracted them, entertained them, um, and and brought a little sense of normality. So if that's the case, you know, I can only I can only say they made the right decision. And talking about the contracts and whatever else, again, I wouldn't even you know you say I've got a background in it. My background is several thousand pay grades below the level that we're talking you know these contracts being thrashed out and discussed we are living in a time where nothing is normal and who knows what those conversations around the contracts are you know from both sides like you know fox have got no money coming in because of advertisers maybe uh, same with uh, usa network viacom um we have got no fans coming through the door at all but they've got a more robust business model because they get an enormous amount of revenue from YouTube as well, not enough to keep the lights on, as it were, but an enormous amount. So we just don't know is the answer. But all I can see is the fan reaction, and it was it was broadly very positive. So you say that you're several pay grades below, but okay, yes, you are. But that's in the sense if WWE are the Champions League, you're maybe conference north but the rest of us are kicking the ball around in the park with our mates so yes, maybe, you, do, you know maybe. a lot more you know a lot more than the rest of us uh okay let's talk about another um structural uh, decision that they made with wrestlemania yep. and they made it quite late which was to go with the two-day wrestlemania thing yeah um, we'll come back to my particular thoughts on it because long-term listeners of mine back to the old days on the one-sided ring podcast and elsewhere I know that I've had a theory about two-day WrestleMania for quite a while so I'd like to chat about that if I may but again with your television head on do you think they'd have done this anyway was this something that they were going to go with anyway I would imagine it more likely it's a replacement because they lost the Hall of Fame and they lost the NXT show so they wanted to make you know WrestleMania weekend a thing rather than just WrestleMania day would you agree with that yeah, 100%. You're, you're exactly right. Um, WrestleMania is planned out a year in advance and advertised over a year in advance. There's no way they were going to suddenly spring a two-nighter on it. You know, what were they going to do? Ask fans to buy another t- set of tickets for, for night two? No, unquestionably, it's it's a reaction to um, to what's happened. Like you say, there's no. It, it's a replacement for TakeOver, really, isn't it, on the, on the Saturday night? That's the difference. In terms of the two-day thing, I have been... I've been an advocate, as Paul Heyman might say, for a two-day WrestleMania for a long time. And the reason is because they turned it into this unbelievably lengthy show. I wouldn't be an advocate for a two-day WrestleMania generally, as long as you could say WrestleMania's going to be four hours. But because it's turned into a five, five-and-a-half-hour marathon plus a two-hour pre-show, um, I just felt the seven hours of Mania was poor for the whole thing. It was hard for us in the UK because we were staying up stupid o'clock but I think for people in the arena how you were at the Wrestlemania 32 yep correct yep yep what was it like how long did that last what was that like in the arena by the time you got to the end of the night 
I think I mean, it wasn't a great mania anyway, but apart from the fact that it was a, a poor WrestleMania, the time it took must have been hard on you. I think that was kind of the first one where it started going really mammoth. And I think bell to bell, it was seven hours. I was probably in there six. And I I was well tapping out by the main event. Like, and I wasn't alone. The whole stadium was the same boat. Um, like you say, it didn't help that the card was poor. Uh, and the weather was hot, although it was nice inside the stadium because it was aircon. But um, it was not. It it was too too long to be sat there. Like you just can't stay up for everything for that amount of time. And it's yeah, it's just not good. I agree. You know, I've long agreed with it. It should be a two day. Um, be interesting to see if that influences their thinking from twenty twenty two and beyond. I think the problem is is that. While I for a long, a long time have wanted it to be a two-day WrestleMania, I think it's something you could have built to. I didn't think this worked okay. for a two-day WrestleMania. And the reason is, is I think there were about two to four matches too many that just felt like, well, you know, not only were they just like an ordinary B-brand pay-per-view match, they were probably just a SmackDown match. Yeah. You know, Baron Corbin versus Elias just felt like a Raw Raw SmackDown match. The Street Profits against, you know, um, Zelina Vega's duo just felt... I know there was problems there because of Andrade having to pull out, but, you know, those kind of matches just, to me, just felt like you know what this is not well, it was it was old school Wrestlemania wasn't it it was like when yeah, you go, when you go back to Wrestlemania 7 you got the Mountie against Tito Santana and stuff like yeah, that it was that uh, Owen, Hart, Owen Hart versus Skinner yeah like yeah exactly but that was to get everyone on the card and because matches only lasted you know, a, you know three minutes the Wrestlemania that we've come to know is very very different and here's the thing that people have completely and utterly forgotten is that Wrestlemania I would love to sit no I wouldn't love to sit down I'd love to someone to do it for me but I'd like to sit down and go through the last few manias and say how much of the night was wrestling and how much of the night was entrances and video packages and promos yeah. and performances yeah, yeah. and stuff and that's not a knock on them but part of Wrestlemania is Rusev coming out in the tank and um, John Cena having a hundred John Cena's, you know, doing the, the hand waving yep. in front of their face, and Undertaker walking 150,000 miles to get to the ring. <laughs> that's part of WrestleMania. The Triple H entrance, the Sting entrance, the whatever it's going to be, that's WrestleMania. And you can't do that in an empty arena. Oh, no, and no, so there were matches which would have been like 15-minute matches, but would normally be half-hour segments because of the intros and the uh, the the ballyhoo. And you couldn't do any of that. There was nothing you could do in the st- in the stadium to just make it feel like WrestleMania. You know, even the the intro to the night, you know, was a long video package, and then the America the Beautiful thing because they could cut it all together. But you know, apart from that, I even felt like a lot of the packages for the matches were shorter than normal. I don't know if that was right, but it felt to me like they sure. Were. I think. And oh, sorry, I, th- I just think that, I just think that that makes if you add those all in to flesh everything out you can still take two to four matches away from the weekend and I do feel like there was one or two matches that they could have gone a different way with you know I just wonder you know did Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens go do you know what we won't do the match we were going to do did you know you know was you know was Daniel Bryan versus Sami Zayn a different match to what they were going to do had it been a normal Wrestlemania it just felt like there was a few of them that went um, we're just going to get through this. We're just going to put something. To, I'm not saying they were bad matches, by the way. I thought the booking of the the Zayn Bryan match was was really quite creative. I could see a million miles away that Zayn was going to win, but I thought it was quite a creative little match. But I think that those two matches in particular were ones that people thought, oh, they could go 25 minutes and have a classic here, and that was never really on the cards for no. the actual show that we got. So I think if you booked Mania slightly differently, 
and you and you worked out that you could have it over two nights I think you would book it entirely differently next year if you knew a year ahead of time and if you were able to do the two nights in the stadium. Of course you would. I don't think... What I'm saying is, if you think, oh, this didn't work as a two-night mania, I don't think it should preclude mania from being two nights in the future. I think this needs to be looked at as a separate thing that they functionally did for the one night. I think it would still work as a two-night mania if they wanted to do it. Unquestionably. And I think the thing that... Well, there was obviously two factors. A, the main one, there was no crowd. And B, they had to look after the safety of the wrestlers and make sure that um, nobody was going to be at risk of infection. And also, um, you know, from a business point of view, nobody was going to get infected to the point where they'd have to shut the damn thing down. Um, and for that, you know, that's why things like the Battle Royal didn't happen. And yes, I think, for instance, the Battle Royal, there's probably at least two or three matches over the weekend that would have been incorporated in the Battle Royal. Like, like yeah. for instance... I was, you know, I was saying this. I've been saying this for weeks. But if that, if Mania had gone on as planned, we wouldn't have seen Otis against Dolph Ziggler. They'd have been the last two in the battle royal, and and Otis would have thrown him out. Yeah, possibly. That would have been how possibly. that played out. That's how he'd have got his WrestleMania moment, and it would have worked just as well. But you know, you look at Black, like Alistair Black against Bobby Lashley. The reason. If that, if that, the yeah. reason they were on the card is because they could provide content. They both live locally. Black's married to Selena Vega, who had to be there anyway. Um, it was a match they could put on. Corbin against Elias pre-show, definitely at best. But you're right. It was a com- but you can't judge whatever they put on. You, we don't we don't know the difference thing. You know the different considerations they had to go through, and none of it is normal and I'll say that phrase a lot over the course of this this, pro, uh, this podcast none of it's normal and all previous formats ideas themes expectations criticism everything just go out the window because there's no criteria to grade it against I've heard so many people sort of this is the worst Wrestlemania ever of course it's the worst Wrestlemania ever there wasn't any fucking crowd it was in a <laughs> and it was in a warehouse half the performers were either ill or didn't want to make it because they didn't want to expose themselves the other ones would have been nervous you know you know we talk of them as talent and stuff like that but they're all human beings they've got parents that are at risk they've got kids that are at risk they're traveling they're touching people on air you know touching things on airplanes i struggle to go to morrison's at the minute because my wife's got asthma and i don't want to i have to go and do our shopping once a week and i get i don't like it because what can i you know what if i touch a bottle of milk what if somebody else has touched that what if they've got it what if i go back and kiss her and i'm giving her the virus can you imagine what they're like having to go through airports and hotels and arenas and whatever else there is no so i'm rambling now but what i'm trying to say is there is no precedent there is no criticism that's worth there's no point anyone saying this is the worst wrestlemania ever just save your breath because what are you grading it against? What were your expectations? What? Who cares? Why? I just don't understand why people, other than liking the sound of their own voice and just having to voice their opinions, what? What is to be gained from grading this event against anything ever in wrestling ever? No wrestling event, much less a one on the scale of WrestleMania as it is nowadays, has been produced and broadcast in the grips of the worst global pandemic for a hundred years there is no there's no format there's nothing that can be said again this show exists and you enjoyed it or you didn't enjoy it but there is no point in beating it to death in terms of criticism or praise 
I think three things to pick up on from what you've just said there. First of all, I still like this Mania better than WrestleMania 4. <laughs> so, I still don't think it was the worst WrestleMania ever. Uh, two, apologies to any journalists listening from the Daily Express or similar type of newspapers uh, for Paul saying uh, something about uh, not holding your breath. Uh, he didn't mean that nastily to anyone that's actually struggling with their breathing right now. Oh, God, uh, sorry. And, and, <laughs> it's okay. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, and, and thirdly, uh, did you hear what Paul Benson said? Uh, he said that once a week he has to go to shop at Morrison's. And let me tell you that if we'd have sold more than a thousand tickets in Glasgow and Edinburgh for Drew McIntyre, he'd be back at Latrose. Give over you. And he would have to be at uh, Morrison's. I, like, I'll, uh, I'll have you know I'm an Aldi shopper. And the only reason I'm not an Aldi shopper at the moment is because the aisles are so narrow and people are so ignorant in there that it's impossible to properly social distance. So I'm not going back in there right now. Morrison's the compromise. You don't you paint me as a as a waitroser as much as I'd love to be. This gig don't pay waitrose money, my friend. Well, you say that. Nick Nick Nick, Nick Aldi's versus John Morrison in the supermarket match. <laughs> Coming down the aisles, yeah, okay. There's plenty of those. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, I don't want to go through the um, the card match by match by match by match by match because it's that's what um, unoriginal people do, and we haven't got time, and it's not really the kind of WrestleMania to do it for. But there are two matches that I want to really talk about quite quickly, but I think they are big enough uh, circumstances. I think it's worth talking about. Um, really quickly, the ladder match. Um, to me, the ladder match. The whole point of that is it's really. Uh, a spotty thing for the crowd it's an ooh-ah spectacle I thought it was a very bad decision to have a ladder match with no crowd I think it's a very very dangerous match and I think it's a very strange decision for them to do the match that they did I actually thought it was quite a good ladder match and I'm not a ladder match fan generally I thought they did a good job but I thought the decision to have the match was a very strange one what do you think? Um, yeah I, I... I thought it was strange to go with singles guys as tag teams uh, for a tag team title, but again, understood the unique circumstances yeah. they were under. Um, again, I, I, yeah, we, we ought to point out, yeah, yeah, clearly we would slag that off normally that a tag team yeah, title, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, fought over those rules. But they're the kind of booking issues that it's really unfair to tuck into WWE for stuff like that. Because quite frankly, they replaced someone in the other tag team title match, and it just didn't seem right, did it? No. They just went with Austin Theory, and everyone went, oh, okay. Ooh. It just didn't seem right. So there's your replacement. If they'd have done that in the in the other tag match we'd have gone well what's he teaming with Jimmy Uso for so do you know what I mean it's that exactly yeah. exactly and I just you know I thought it was a, a, a fine match you know I, I I don't I never thought of it being a, an odd match to book with no crowd but you're probably right it, it doesn't help the performance rhythm any does it so I suppose it does make an already risky match that little bit riskier um, but I think they'd have been happy to do it under the circumstances you know they, again they're all they all want to put on the put their best foot forward I thought they put on a really good match I enjoyed it a lot um, I'm not, I thought it was a good match no I surprise, thought it was a good match. No I, just surprise. Thought, I just thought the high risk level of a ladder match and people getting hurt yeah you know it's almost risk reward to, to please the crowd and I just wondered if it was a, a bit of a strange decision you're probably you know, something like... that actually occurs to me that I hadn't thought of until right now mm. something I, I know don't know enough about I'd like to find out from wrestlers I wonder how hard it was to wrestle any of those matches particularly something like a ladder match which you would imagine is quite laid out beforehand with no crowd well, therefore you can't call spots actually you know, you yeah can... someone was talking I about it today I read an interview and I cannot for the life of remember who it was it was someone who was on the card for Wrestlemania um, God was it, I want to was it Kevin Owens I can't remember but anyway the point was they were saying it's exactly that they said, it. They, said they had to um, call everything discuss everything in much more depth before they did it um, they said there was no crowd to feed off so it was incredibly difficult 
to get their rhythm um, in the match because they use the crowd's beats and pulses as, a, as such a, an important indicator of how they move in the ring and why want and how they do certain things yeah. and why and when they do certain things and also it was really interesting again, every single bump hurt that little bit more because without the buzz of that crowd to sort of take it off the pain's there you know they're not getting you know what it's like you know that adrenaline wasn't there in the same way it's going through the motion so everything hurt that bit more so you know again all credit to the guys and girls in the ring because uh, I think they put on a hell of a show all things considered I'd be really fascinated one day to talk to someone that, that took part in that WrestleMania and yeah, me too. Not do the tra- not do the traditional wrestling interview, but just talk about those sorts of things and what it was like for them as a performer. Do you know what I, I I equated it to? And this might sound a bit of a strange one, but um, it was like it was like doing karaoke without the backing track, in in the sense that if you sing a song, like do you know you might play those games sometimes where you start singing a song to a backing track and someone turns it off mm. and you carry on singing and then you bring the track back up and yeah. you have you come back in the right place almost always people will sing too quickly yeah because it's hard to leave gaps so if you did like sweet caroline or something you go sweet caroline duh, duh, duh. good times never seem so good i've been in you'll start singing quicker and you won't leave those big gaps because it's not in your nature you need to hurry up but you feel like oh, there's a gap i've got to leave it that to me would be what the fans would be like and so that time where you would lie down and say the hell out of something if there's no crowd chanting for someone to get back up or counting with the ref or something like that they must be just really tempted just to just pop up really quickly um but on to you know moving on away from that ladder match then and moving on to the other the only other match i want to talk about in specific apart from two very obvious uh, anomalies um edge versus randy orton um that was a match where someone was counting perhaps that did help their pacing of it uh, it's the one match of the whole show where they used the performance centre as a whole they went to other mm. places they used the they used the building uh, they moved around but I very very briefly earlier on touched on Wrestlemania 12 and the polarising nature of uh, Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart in the sense that some people say that's one of the greatest masterpieces they've ever seen both Shawn and Bret consider that as one of their greatest matches ever quite a lot of people say if you go back and watch it it's quite dull um, it really splits opinion I thought this was the match that split opinion from what I could see on my social media the reports that I read and indeed my own thoughts because I saw some people saying you know, wow, what a wonderfully put together masterpiece, wonderful performance by Edge, considering he's been out for so long, etc., etc. I thought at about, what was it, about, I think it was about a 26, 27 minute match. I thought it was about 15 minutes too long. Yep, fully agree. Uh, I thought everything they did was good. I thought their mannerisms, their facial expressions, their performances were faultless but I thought it was like singing a three-minute song for eight minutes. I completely agree. I was, this was this was the match I was most looking forward to on the whole card. The build had been sensational, and um, I thought the, la- the last man standing rules would give them carte blanche to, like they did, rack all over the place. And they did They pulled up some creative spots. What was really good is that they didn't... Um, they didn't... Uh, telegraph everything the way there was everything set out you know there was a ladder at one point that they climbed up but apart from that it wasn't like oh there's a prop there for them to go through there's this there for them to go through you know like instead they'd go behind a weight bench and pull out a dumbbell and things like that it wasn't all telegraphed I thought that was really good I thought the performers themselves were like you say the facials and the the intensity was perfect pitch perfect but it was like you say 15 minutes too long and too slow um as a result, I think often it's it's very easy for certain matches 
to be that they mistake slowing it down and being methodical as being some sort of epic um, event and um, I think often it just makes it that much more no, sorry that much less enjoyable and yeah I thought it was quite hard going towards the end I didn't think a lot happened but the very end of it where Edge didn't embrace Randy Orton as such but kind of just kind of did I suppose like just sort of the acknowledgement that I don't know he still loves him or whatever or you know forgives him I don't know what it was but it was a really nice touch like those two those two are absolute masters of their craft um, and again I think again if it was in traditional Wrestlemania they, would have, they wouldn't have had quite as much time and we would have been talking about an absolute all time masterpiece um, but as it was yeah I, I, I switched off I've always been a big Randy Orton fan um, Randy Orton doesn't have bad matches um, when he's motivated uh, I think he's a re- bit of a wrestler's wrestler um, we always apologise for doing too much football chat on this podcast but if Randy Orton was a footballer he'd be like Gareth Barry yes. someone like that yeah, 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 yeah. someone that footballers know how good he is but fans tend to go oh he's a bit slow he's a bit this and that. trust me Gareth Barry was world class but you know it, it, fans didn't always you know, spot something like that um, and Orton's the same but to be fair to, to the fans Orton's character has been a bit samey over the years and whatever I think had Orton not had the finishing move he has he might not have had the career he has had nope. um, and funnily enough I thought that might play in this was the one match I got wrong in terms of the booking and again I'm not going to go mad on booking I thought this was the one that they could have um, done slightly different I thought there was maybe a potential for Ed- listen don't get me wrong the story if you go from start to finish absolutely was Edge winning absolutely was the, the, the redemption story he would need to win but I just wondered because of the the lack of crowd and the potential for them to do something else in the future I could see a point where maybe Edge was about to do something massive like a climb a ladder and have a flashback to his old days of TLC and do a big splash off the ladder or something but hesitate just that second too long and have the crowd uh, the announcers go has he hurt his neck is he worried about hurting his neck again does he think he should do this and then he hesitates leaps Orton does an RKO and that's the end of your match and Edge has an out you know he lost but he has an out but then he can come back and go look I had the match I'm fine I want to do it again you and me Randy Hell in a Cell you know, I, I I thought that's where they might go with it. I know they don't know how they could do Hell in the Cell in an empty arena, but they probably still could. I thought that's where they might go with it. I could, I would have forgiven them having Orton win. I think it might have set up a nice secondary story. And also, there would be the thing of you know, quite frankly, if someone didn't do their job for eight or nine years and then they did it, they'd probably lose their first match back <laughs> because they're not quite they're not quite at it. Do you know what I mean? So that's not how it works. Bit, no, I know that, and I, like I said, I don't really have a problem with it. I just, I am saying that I could have foreseen another way of doing it, but once again, we are not going to start tucking into creative decisions on on a no, weekend. No, like it's really I, not the thing. But just to say, I do disagree. Um, I Edge needs Edge needs to win that A because it's the redemption, B because Orton assaulted his wife, and C because really we all want to see. You know, we, it's been an amazingly built story, and I'm really pleased they did it, even though I didn't like the yeah, idea at first. Um, but we want to see Edge in fresh matches now, don't we? Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I think they will do another one with this. I think it's the way that it's I... the way they tend to be. I think they will do another one, and because of that, you know, I I, I think Orton will probably just attack him again, and they'll do roughly the same story again. I think the you next know? time we see those two in a ring together, it'll be as a tag team. <laughs> that's very possible, actually. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I d if they do, I'm basing it on the assumption that they will do Orton v Edge again, and probably in Hell in a Cell. And if they do that, then the only way they can do it is Orton just attacking Edge all over again, and it's the same rehash. Whereas if Orton had a one, you could have had the Edge. Man, I was so close, and this time I'm even more driven to beat you. Mm. You know, you could have told that that sort of story. Um, we probably could go into lots and lots of depth about various other things. You know, should Becky have beaten Shayna? Um, was it the right thing to do with Braun Strowman and Goldberg? I don't think we will. We can we can be too forensic about lots of things. And again, yep. are we really going to start worrying about booking decisions? So. I'll give it to you, Paul. Any other business about the rest of the WrestleMania card before we go on to the two rather special features that we saw on each night? Questionably, yes. I want to just say how much I absolutely adored um, the whole build-up and the conclusion to the Otis, Mandy, Dolph Ziggler saga. Just loved it. They don't often do soap opera-style storylines well in wrestling, but this was an absolute corker I thought Otis Otis is such a star in the making he's got everything needed to be a big star and we talked about on text the day didn't it I'm talking this generation's hacksaw Jim Duggan I think he's going to be I think he's going to be the guy who is second or third to the main event always credible always fun loads of charisma good in the ring now he's got the girl um, and it was a really well built story and I loved the fact that they let that build and, and finish on a, on a big stage in inverted commas um, I, yeah I, I'm, I'm dead sure for that I've enjoyed the story immensely and uh, they've got a star on their hands or a pair of stars with those two I think credit to to them for seeing it through and going with that sort of story because I was watching it thinking she's going to turn on Otis it's going to have been a big thing concocted all the way through between Sonya and Mandy and um, Dolph and we've seen you know Trish turn on Jericho and we've seen uh, Eve Torres turn on Zack Ryder and it was like I thought they were just going to go with the you know the uncool bloke never gets the pretty woman I thought they were going to do that and they didn't and you're right it was feel good the only that was the biggest moment where you went man alive I wish there'd been a crowd there yeah. Because that would have yeah. been—I mean, I don't—it wasn't quite Randy and Liz reuniting at WrestleMania Seven, but it would have got a good reaction, you know. Even because listen, listen, even the WrestleMania crowd cheered Cena proposing to Nikki Bella, and obviously that's gone really well since. But um, you know, they did, didn't they? I thought they would shit all over that, and they didn't. And so, uh, you know, I think Otis and Mandy would have been a really fun thing in front of the crowd. But yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think we can dissect it any more than we have, but you're right. I, 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 you know, at the very least, an A minus to them for the whole way that they've done that and, and saw it through and didn't go down what you expected of them. Well, certainly what I expected of them. I, whereas I did. Really, right from the start. So right from the start, you thought yep. they were always going to go with. I that. saw okay, it. I so saw it coming. You know, I, I just I could feel that this was the story because otherwise, I think that have started with Mandy more full on into him I think the way, the way that it was done quite subtly from the start um, and then the big turning point the big confirmation was when uh, what, what, what happened oh basically she, did, she didn't want to see didn't want to use Otis just to win matches and Sonya was surprised at that she was like what you mean you're not just using him she said no I'm not I'm, you know, I'm his friend and that was the, that cemented it I was like or okay the rumble. when was that that was around about the same time that was around about I the same time I did think there was a flicker then when he saved her from the elimination in the rumble and her facial expression was not that sort of oh god he's doing that it was a sort of oh wow you do that for me I will admit that there was I, I thought because listen 
Mandy Rose is a very, very beautiful woman, but I don't think she's the greatest actress in the world. <laughs> um, and I thought she did quite a good job on that night. And over the last, you know, six or eight weeks, she has done a, a, a relatively good job in my eyes of making herself look, you know, be more than just uh, just some eye candy. So credit to her for improving uh, her all-round game. I think I thought. Uh, really her looks were getting her by but I think she's done quite a good job in all this I think everyone has Actually, I think Dolph's been good I think Sonny's been good I think I think everybody deserves a bit of praise for this yep agreed and I think that's a will we give a little bit of a thumbs up to our sometimes maligned old mate Bruce because I think that's the it's the kind of Bruce Pritchard storyline I think that he would have really enjoyed seeing back in the day I think that's I think I had Bruce's fingerprints on it this I think you might be right actually I never never crossed my mind but yeah you, now you say it I think that sounds more than credible I think uh, I think he would have seen something in that. Right. What do you want to talk about first? The bones or the fires? <laughs> oh, let's talk about let's, let's do it let's, let's do it chronologically. Go on then. Let's do go it chronologically on then, go on, go on, go on. because because I think we're going to agree more on the boneyard match than we do on the firefly match. Spoiler alert, Paul and I have discussed this over the last couple of days. <laughs> so, this is not fresh information to either of us having this conversation, but you know, we will disagree over the second rather than the first. Um, I liked the Boneyard match uh, with a few caveats, but they are caveats that I have had for the last 29 years. Um, I have never been a massive Undertaker fan. I respect, respect Mark Calloway enormously. Never met him, never interviewed him, don't know the man. But as a performer, I think he's been first class throughout his entire career. I hear great stories about him. Um, could not praise him more. The greatest match I've ever seen in my life included him. Um, that is Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 25. Um, but I never cared for Undertaker at all until he became the American badass. Um, didn't ever, I've never liked Zombie Taker. I don't like Dead Man Taker because I, I like I like my realism in my wrestling. And I, you know, the same way I don't like Broken Matt Hardy and all of the, you know, uh, you know, teleportation shit that he's doing at the moment, in a which is the worst thing AEW have done by miles, by the way, since they started. And um, that's an unpopular opinion, but it's true. Two, you know, two men with a combined age of about a hundred doing a stupid teleportation gimmick. Um, anyway, that's not the point. Um, I've never cared for Dead Man Taker, so I don't like the rising from the dead. I don't like the throwing fireballs. I don't like the lights going off and him appearing. I think it's hokey. I think it's stupid. I think it's the kind of... I always say, would you do that in boxing? Would you do that in UFC? And you wouldn't. And so therefore, to me, you shouldn't do it in professional wrestling. There are exceptions to those kind of things. I'm not saying everything. But broadly speaking, I think to the outside, it looks stupid. So that's a, a broad caveat. I've never liked all that stuff. So I didn't like Undertaker appearing behind AJ on top of that big contraption. I didn't like him throwing fire and setting the building on fire. But they are Undertaker things that I have never liked about Undertaker's character. All that aside, what I liked about the Boneyard match was I thought it had plausibility in terms of they had a fight, we covered it with lots of cameras, and this is the movie we produced about it. To me, it seemed like a fight. It seemed like it seemed like a Hollywood fight, but it still seemed like a fight. And there are lots of things wrong with professional wrestling that aren't real fights, so you have to let that go. I honestly would have put a bit more realism in it. I might have had a camera running around in the background at times, you know, to show that there was another camera there, so it looked like you were covering something as live. I thought it was a little bit too slick. There were times where a punch came in from one direction, and then it was sold from a camera in the opposite direction, and there would have been a camera the other side. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. If it was a, if it was realism. But again, I'm being picky. 
I thought overall it was a really nice presentation and funnily enough um, I was talking to someone oh, this is a very very strange uh, name drop to use on this podcast but I was talking to one third of the boy band A1 on Twitter because <laughs> uh, I, I happened to know Mark from A1 and was having a little chat to him on Twitter and he brought the thing up about Wrestlemania and talking about you know shooting the whole thing l- like a movie you know, and, doing, and I thought, well, what a good idea! This is about two or three weeks ago. And I thought, what a great! I would have liked that. I would have liked the whole WrestleMania to be like a movie WrestleMania, and do the whole thing, you know, a little bit like, um, I guess, in some ways, a little bit like Lucha Underground was, or something like that. But that that kind of really different presentation. I thought you could have got away with it for one WrestleMania. Probably would have been too expensive thinking about it. Um, but uh, that would have been fun. So anyway, with that in mind, I enjoyed the Boneyard thing. That you again. Booking-wise, can you pick apart the fact that should AJ Styles be losing as easily as he did, you know, with him and lots of zombies and the rest of the club, and they all lost to one old man? But it's Taker, and it's Mania, and you have to let it go. This was not a wrestling match. It was a Clint Eastwood film, but I thought that it had enough facets to it that you could... What I want to be able to do is jump into the kayfabe world and say this isn't real and they go yes it is because this 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 and this and I thought it had plausible deniability on that front I thought both men performed brilliantly I, I loved the presentation of it I thought it was I would give it I, I wouldn't want to see it again for maybe five years but because of the situation they had to be in it was infinitely better than Undertaker versus AJ Styles in an empty arena with a 53 year old Undertaker or however old he is I, I agree I agree I think them again it's a recurring theme I think they made the absolute best of what they had I don't think the loss matters one iota to AJ Styles because it's not really canon is it it's not really no. not really part of what you see on screen but it was it was it's not my thing I'll say I'll say I didn't I didn't dislike it intensely I'm not a complaining from the position of being a wrestling purist but it just did nothing much for me simply because it was shot like a B action movie but with a much less budget and a much and much shorter time and much less skilled people behind the cameras in filming that sort of thing so it just was it was just wasn't that good but um I thought the idea was good and I also think what it did for Taker's character could potentially add two or three years to his career um, yeah. I'm I'm with you in that I've never been a massive fan of Dead Man Taker didn't really realise that until relatively recently but I haven't outside of the entrances and the spectacle but Biker Taker American Badass Big Red all that sort of thing is bloody amazing the amount of the promos that that guy can cut when he's allowed to be a real guy um, is just phenomenal and he, this, that was what he was here he was he was you know kind of the American badass again but a bit grittier a bit more modern he's like yeah like Clint Eastwood um, and I think that if they can take that character forward because now he's still limited in the ring obviously but he doesn't need to do much more than kicks and punches um, mm. and the occasional sort of spot you know tombstone last ride whatever and I think if they can combine that with him being allowed to promo like a real guy reference his wife I think that could really do wonders for him. And I think, you know, I've, I've certainly thought this over the last few years, and I know you have and others. There's been a slight disappointment in seeing Undertaker pull back the curtain um, and reveal Mark Calloway. I don't want, I didn't necessarily want to see photos on Instagram of, of Mark Calloway and his wife. I didn't want to see, really, a stage show 
with the Undertaker talking about his career. I didn't really want to see him on the Broken Skull Diaries or whatever it's called. I do in time, but not while he's still the Undertaker, because God damn it, it's got a, he's about the last kayfabe we've got left. But they've <laughs> they've taken all of that and they've turned it, they've woven it brilliantly into a story. Like and they've and AJ going, this is what you've become. I don't want that. I want the gunslinger. I want the dead man. And then they call him Mark on TV. Can you believe that? They call him Mark on TV. But then the new the new taker came, the real taker, the man behind the hat and the lightning and everything else. And he showed Alan Jones that he was just as much of a fucking badass as the Undertaker, as the dead man. And now they've done that. All bets are off. You know, he can be that guy. He could be that guy as he ends his career. It means he can he can communicate with the audience. He can and when he does his Hall of Fame speech, it doesn't have to be behind kayfabe. He can be him. He can he can ride off into he can have the last couple of years of big matches of his career being himself, and I think that's a wonderful thing. And I so so in in summary, didn't love the match, didn't love the execution, loved the idea, and loved where we're going to be after it. Um, quick credit to AJ as a performer always astounds me still keeps on going yeah. and showing new sides of him the way he works naturally as a as an in-ring performer he's a baby face i've always thought he struggled to have that uh, heel element to him when he is not true to himself i.e cool slightly cocky heel aj with the club works um trying to be the new nature boy in 2010 in tna did not work um but i loved aj styles at the end going don't bury me don't bury me. Forget the connotations of what bury can mean in a, in a wrestling parlance way. That was a heel realising the error of his ways. And I love it when heels do that. When they, sh- they show ass is the term that they use in wrestling, which is that he was cocky all the way through. I'm going to beat you, old man. And then when he knew he was beaten, he went, don't bury me. That one last... Yeah. desperate attempt I'm by sorry. the man I'm approaching sorry. the gallows to go oh no okay I admit it I admit I did it please don't kill brilliant, me brilliant wasn't it that was that great was just, yeah no I don't care for the I didn't care for the gravestone I always, I don't like the um, the, the actual he actually died um, metaphor um, and also if he was in such a bad way why was there no medical updates about him on night two about the fact the guy that died the night before um, they didn't really go into that I know I know why they didn't but um, you know that I didn't care for. But and yeah, again, I just want to underline the thing about Taker. It was Rocky Balboa. It was Clint Eastwood in Gran Torino. You know, you can get away with those sorts of things in Hollywood because the, the superhero can keep on going. It, if you want, it was Roy of the Rovers. You know that you can carry on playing in the fifties and still be able to do it. And you know that's kind of what that was. And you know I have to allow that. I could be a right prick about what I think is right and wrong in terms of realism and crikey we're going to get onto it in a second <laughs> um, but I think there are certain things that even if you're a right cynical bastard like I can be you have to let go and at this stage of his career if you're going to still be using Undertaker that was absolutely the way to do it not beating John Cena in five seconds not having run of the mill matches with Bray Wyatt not even putting over Roman Reigns because it did nothing for Roman Reigns that all that would have done for Roman Reigns is if Roman Reigns had turned heel and done the smug I beat the Undertaker F you all and he didn't Yeah. and so because he didn't it did nothing for Roman Reigns this is the first time Undertaker has done anything at Wrestlemania not his fault but this is the first time he's done anything at WrestleMania, or indeed any of the shows he's come back for. God knows him against Goldberg didn't do anything for anybody. Yikes. Um, do you know what I mean? So, 
I think it's really nice for him that he can think, do you know what, I can still come back and make a difference. AJ Styles is a bigger star on April the 7th, 2020, than he was on April the 1st, 2020. Correct. Correct. And that's what it's all about. And he's a 42-year-old man that's been around for 20-odd years, and he's still got made a bit better because Undertaker did what he did. Incredible, isn't it? No, I hope he stays away for a bit. I hope this is a chance for him to go away, have six months off, rest his bones, you know, not be involved in anything, and then come roaring back. You know, he could be a great person to have to bring back the first night where you got a crowd back again. Do you know what I mean? And you could restart AJ. You could bring him back as a babyface if you need to, because he can click into that role easier. Totally, totally. Or you can make, or you can give a bigger chip on his shoulder, and you can make him a bit darker or whatever. But I would absolutely, I don't want to see AJ Styles wrestling, you know, a seven-minute match on SmackDown in two weeks' time. Yep, agree with that. Right then. <laughs> we, we had a Firefly Funhouse once before um, before this week, and it didn't work so well. I did. In fact, no, no, that's, that's not true. What was the thing? What was it called? What was the match called where you wrestled um, Randy Orton? I was thinking this, just you were saying that. I'm not... It wasn't called a was Firefly it a, Funhouse. Was, it? was it a Wyatt com- Family Compound match or something like that? Is that what, or is that oh, what they did I with the New Day? There was a, there was a, there was a apologies everyone who was scream. People are absolutely screaming at us about what that's called, and I'm, I apologise for having my bad brains. Anyway, they, they had a match, didn't they? Not the one at WrestleMania with the strange, um, you know, snakes being put onto the ground on a, on a projector, but the one where they went to some match or other and it all burnt down and whatever. Ha- it was a House down. of Horrors match. That's what it was, right? That was a, that was atrocious. Was that and that essentially was what I thought they were going to do here. Um, I am going to let me, get, let me get my phone I am going to read verbatim from a text that I sent to Paul <laughs> after he asked me what I thought of it because Paul watched it live and I didn't I watched it um, the following day and he was texting me every 20 minutes going have you watched it yet have you watched it yet have you watched it yet and so I said I, this is what I wrote back I put creative original unique inventive spellbinding captivating incredible I hate it <laughs> That is what I put. No, I did that last line slightly for comic effect, but I actually mean everything I said there. Um, I thought it was beautifully done. I thought it was so imaginative. It is one of the most original things I have seen in the coming up 30 years that I've been a wrestling fan. But it was completely and utterly out of place. And that is a criticism this time. Um, where we've been saying that the, uh, we shouldn't criticise this time it is a criticism if you'd have said to me the Firefly Fl- Funhouse I can't say that Firefly Funhouse is a special feature they have made for the network a little bit like um, what was it called Southpaw Pro Wrestling Southpaw Regional, Southpaw Regional Wrestling. Wrestling Regional Wrestling if it had been a little bit like that with a wink to the camera I think I would have loved it as much as anything I've ever seen because I thought the some of the little back back references and the use of the puppets and I didn't care for him saying Husky Harris, but apart because to me Husky Harris and Bray Wyatt aren't the same people. Um, I know it's the same performer, but it's not the same character. Um, you know, they, you know they, they, don't, they don't they don't well they don't say Isaac Yankum to Kane, so they shouldn't say Husky Harris to Bray. But apart from that, I thought it was absolutely tremendous. But my big problem is. I think the example I gave to you again on the text was I said if I'm watching The Office I don't want suddenly the best ever episode of Star Trek to break out <laughs> because that's not that doesn't belong in The Office every television program has its own you know conventions whether that's 
Miranda talking to the crowd, talking to the screen and breaking the fourth wall, the same as Rene used to at the start of LOLO, or whether it's um, you know the the fact that you clearly know that it's a man dressed as a woman in Mrs. Brown's Boys, or the fact that Sherlock can you know work out these things you know better than any you know human has ever been able to, or whether Captain Kirk can take a plane at a spaceship at warp speed, whatever it might be, you can, you can tell the one I don't watch there, can't you? But all of these things, everything has its own world. The you know Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, you know whatever it is, they have their own universe, and the WWE universe doesn't have what they did in that match. Unless they explain it as um, the dream that Bobby had in Dallas that excused the entire previous series, I don't see how suddenly, in the middle of a representation of a real sporting event, fucking Twin Peaks broke out. And it's like, that's the thing for me, it, it conventionally didn't fit. And it's like, you, if you went to see, you know, Bryn Terfel and Catherine Jenkins and they did the Eminem song from 8 Mile, that's not what the people have gone to see. Even if it's I'm, a brilliant I'm all rendition. in for that. Well, no, it would be fun, but it's not what people have gone to see them for. And to me, it wasn't professional wrestling. I don't like the broken Matt Hardy stuff. It's not professional wrestling. It's creative and it's fun, and if it's its own little world, that's all right. But it's not professional wrestling. So for that reason, I hated the fact it was on WrestleMania. I, I, I don't think they should have done it that way. I'm really 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 annoyed by it but I will say as a standalone piece of television I thought it was absolutely magnificent it was just positioned wrongly right I don't know where to start I don't know where to start here actually I loved it okay I, I thought it was ab- it. <laughs> I thought it was absolutely wonderful and I did not expect it right so let's what were they going to do what oh, I certainly didn't expect it. what was the original plan right in my opinion the original plan was a lot of what we got in terms of content in that not the really surreal stuff but the themes would have been part of the build to Cena Wyatt if this had carried on um, as a traditional build match to a traditional Wrestlemania we'd have got all the stuff about how Cena beat him in six, uh, six years ago at Wrestlemania 30 which was the start of the downward spiral which is what triggered the Fiend to come out to, come out to play as it were now that is very logical because it, it's, it's true in terms of what you see on screen Bray Wyatt was on a massive upward curve Cena beat him um, which we all derided at the time and he never recovered he lit, that was it you know, remember his entrance at Wrestlemania 30 where he came out with a live he, band he, 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 he never recovered who didn't Bray Wyatt okay pronouns pal excuse me Bray Wyatt never recovered from that um, and so it's very conceivable in kayfabe terms he would blame John Cena as the reason he descended into becoming the fiend okay um, okay agreed so what we'd have got then is the, and what you've had sorry what you've had since in the last year the fiend it's become clearer and clearer to me and to everyone that the fiend is a vessel of change everybody he's come into contact with he's changed he's a unique character in that sense he fused with Seth Rollins Seth Rollins turns back to what people perceive as his true self same with Daniel Bryan same with The Miz Uh, he even attacks Kane when Kane's being Mayor Jacobs when he wants him to go back and be you know who he is a monster the only person that The Fiend failed against was Goldberg because Goldberg isn't Goldberg is the person who he is he is 
there's no side to Goldberg. There's no falseness. <laughs> there's no hidden depths. There's no <laughs> hidden depths. Exactly. Goldberg is as one-dimensional as they come, and that is about that is that is a defence against the Fiend. Now, what the Fiend really, you know, I'm I'm sort of digging deep into kayfabe here, obviously, but once the Fiend makes you change, Finn Balor obviously is another example. Once the Fiend makes yeah. you change, he's got you. That's how he beats you. He gets in your head. He makes you change, and then you're done. He never managed that with Goldberg because there is no other Goldberg. He is just Goldberg. So he just could not get anywhere near him and he lost. With John Cena, it all goes back to the original mission that Bray Wyatt had, make Cena embrace the hate. I think that was that might have been the uh, the slogan, the, the, the sort of wording he used at the time. I can't remember, but embrace the hate. He I never... Might, I don't think that was maybe the Kane one, was it? That was the Kane one. It was. You're right. You're absolutely yeah. right. It was. But it, the idea is the same. Same, same idea, yeah, though. Same, same idea, idea as well. Yeah. So what we'd have seen in the weeks where we'd have seen these Firefly Funhouses uh, with, you know, talk about WrestleMania 30 and talk about John Cena um, being this guy that was put up on a pedestal, a Hulk Hogan character. You know, there was no surprise. There's no, there, was, there was a lot of symbolism in him being out there in the NWO shirt strumming the spray-painted bell. He's a guy that Bray Wyatt was putting up as someone who played the goody two-shoes on screen just the money just for himself just like Hogan was back in the day and just what made him a successful heel all the way through that video you've got incredibly well layered callbacks and storytelling that was all designed to show that John Cena needed to be needed to admit who he really was and whether you believe John Cena is really you know Hulk Hogan or whether he is you know whiter than white at the end of that thing the fiend got him to embrace the hate he got him to swing that chair and that's that those three words encapsulated the whole thing he swung that chair and as soon as he did that you saw it in his face it was over egged and overacted because John Cena isn't that good an actor but <laughs> he, uh, that was the moment John Cena in inverted commas finally turned heel I said all these weeks ago that we were going to get the John Cena heel turn at Wrestlemania I didn't think it'd be this way but I did predict it I thought he was going to turn heel on Daniel Bryan or something like that a more traditional way but and then he started pounding and pounding and pounding on The Fiend and at that point The Fiend had him beaten he had him done and so obviously there was the silliness with Huskers the pig taking his place and then you've got the sister Abigail and he's done um, and then suddenly he disappeared so you can't see him but the point of it was the whole thread spoke to what Bray Wyatt has always been as a character and what John Cena has always perceived to be he threw in his face all the times that people hated him you know you saw the flashes of CM Punk of Roman Reigns of um, The Undertaker various other bits of the bit where people have despised John Cena and, and thrown the fans have thrown it back in his face and finally John Cena took that to heart he went fuck it I need to do this I'm beating and he embraced the hate and he beat the shit out of the fiend and that's what cost him the match um, and, you know cost him his career if he disappears or whatever mission accomplished for the fiend um, I thought it was an incredibly well told story that leaned perfectly into years and years and years of backstory of, of each character and I think we'd have got that in the ring as well I think if that had been the match John Cena, I think the ending would have been exactly the same in a more traditional sense I think finally John Cena would have had that chair but he would take it. He would have taken a different route to Wrestlemania 30 he would have swung it and he would have beaten the shit out of The Fiend with the chair and then The Fiend would have rose up and taken him out and that would have been the end 
but instead we got it under this layer of silliness under under all the 80s reference and the NWO references and the silly reenactment of his ruthless aggression debut which was just mind-blowing and fun and everything else it was it was a really serious well-written nuanced wrestling angle hidden under layers and layers of silliness fan service in jokes easter eggs call them what you will and I thought it was absolutely bonkers, ridiculous, cheap, stupid. I absolutely loved it. It was like bringing back an episode of a classic television show and ruining it, whereas what they should have done was put it on comic relief. <laughs> or, chil- or you can get away with doing silly, you know, Coronation Street, EastEnders crossovers where they all end up dancing in Albert Square on comic relief but you can't do that on a normal episode of the soap this was like the, the end of line of duty when they were finally going to work out who H is and it turned out that he'd thrown the one ring into the Mount Doom in Mordor it's like you can't just suddenly change the circumstances that you're in and the, the narrative of professional wrestling is that some admittedly over-the-top characters have personal issues which they resolve in the ring. They do not have dream sequences. They do not disappear and reappear and, uh, against someone's will, force them to dress up and have flashbacks. This was more like a Christmas carol with the (laughs) Bray Wyatt being the, the ghost of Christmas past. You know, that's Dickens. That's one of the greatest novellas of all time. So I'm not knocking a Christmas carol, but that wouldn't work if that happened in the middle of Catcher in the Rye. It's, it's, you, you've got to do these things in their context. And that was my problem. It's probably my problem. It's probably me no, being no, no. a little bit nouveau Jim Cornette and being stuck in an era because you know I know lots of people liked all the Hardy stuff I absolutely bloody detested all the Hardy stuff because it wasn't professional wrestling it was really clever and really different and whatever it was on its own but it was not professional wrestling and neither was this and it should not have been on Wrestlemania I would have maybe allowed it on an episode of Raw or Smackdown probably not but I might have done this should have been uh, produced, uh, they should have said John Cena versus Bray Wyatt is not on WrestleMania, and they could have produced a separate thing and done it for half an hour and stuck it on the network as a as a little you know quote unquote DVD extra, and I would have gone that was fucking brilliant, but it just it's wrong. It's totally and utterly out of its genre and wrong. A valid and a valid I, I, a valid criticism, and I would have preferred the more traditional way. And like I say, I think. Oh, listen, I'm not knocking. I'm not knocking them for doing, trying to no, do something different on a I WrestleMania know. where they had to do something different. But you can have plausible deniability about how Undertaker and AJ Styles was made into that movie, and I think you could have done something with Bray and had him do. Listen, okay, I mentioned Sherlock, didn't I? We both loved Sherlock, didn't we? Yeah. The, the the first eleven episodes out of twelve, anyway, or twelve episodes out of thirteen. But the last episode they've ever done of Sherlock, and it might be the last one they do forever, was utterly bloody stupid. Yeah. On that mad island with all these people, and it was like, and you just went, ah, oh. well, I didn't. I just went, oh, yeah. that's just over Agreed. the top and stupid, and it doesn't work. You've taken us out of an environment and gone over the top with it, and I don't think that's what people wanted. Now, what this was, you know, the show that we just watched, this was the Abominable Bride episode of Sherlock, in which the whole thing took place in Sherlock's brain, and because oh, it's a fictionalized. Yeah. It, you know, that's what it was. It was the dream sequence. It was the 
it was going on in someone's brain. Now, the trouble is, wrestling is a, is a portrayal of a real sport. It is not a dra- dramatised version of a real sport. It, well, sorry, it is a dramatised version of a real sport, but it is not presented that way. Sherlock is not presented as a fly-on-the-wall documentary. Like I said, The Office is presented that way. There were certain things that they had to do. They could look at the camera in The Office. They could take off their microphone and move to next door because that was the world in which it inhabited. They couldn't do cuts from lots of different angles because it was meant to be a fly-on-the-wall documentary. And this is meant to be a live sporting programme. And they would not, at half-time in Manchester United versus Liverpool, do a sequence in which Jurgen Klopp and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer dressed up as what they looked like 25 years ago and did little skits. It wouldn't work. People would go, that was, that's bloody stupid. Where's the football? And that is that is that is the complete issue that I have. And like I say, maybe I'm the dinosaur, and maybe it's you know I'm the one that just needs to lighten up and just realise it's wrestling. Unfortunately, I can't do that because I suppose if if you want to do that, then okay, the biggest star in the history of professional wrestling used to take people's finishing moves and then bounce up, wag a finger in their face, boot them, do a leg drop, and beat them. And quite frankly, I hated that as well. But if Hogan was over and Dead Man Undertaker's over and this stuff's over. I'm the one that's wrong and not the industry. I'll have to hold my hands up to that. But you're never, ever, ever going to get me to like what I saw at WrestleMania. All valid criticism, mate. And like I say, I'd have preferred it if a lot of that content would have been used as part of the Firefly Funhouse spots to get us there. But what they did, I thought, was just genius-level writing. Just And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on the fact that I don't like being taken out of the rules of any given fiction. And I've said that on this well, podcast but you, before but you can't make an exception but you can't make an exception guess I'm a you hypocrite you either do the no yeah you are because you have to do, sorry mate but you are because you have to either you have to take the rules as they are it's like oh I don't want to drag it no I'm not going to drag I was going to drag it into our current you know situation but I won't because that would be tactless but there are rules and there are you put down rules and you have to live within the rules and every successful television program film play novel even pop song that's ever been done stays in its genre and stays within the parameters of the universe that it builds for itself. God forbid anyone that does anything wrong within the Star Wars universe or the Marvel universe or the Harry Potter universe. That you know these are fictionalized things that are full of magic and sci-fi and whatever, but you still set parameters yep. and you still set rules. And they I'm a stickler them. for it. Keep I'm a stickler for well, it. Then you've, got to, then you've got to do it with this. You've got to do it with this. You've got to keep following up. And what do the announcers do? What do the announcers do? I, I haven't seen Raw. Well, but did the announcers go, wow, did you see that thing? Because if they say, did you see that thing with Bray Wyatt and John Cena, they have to admit one of two things. Either Bray Wyatt is actually magic, or B, that. John Cena was in on it and they deliberately filmed a little funny movie because other than those two things there is not another explanation and once you've established that Bray Wyatt is magic he might as well magic every single match that when someone swings a chair at him he disappears out of the way and therefore he should never lose another match ever should he? It's a little bit like you know the golfer that wishes for every shot that he hits to go into the hole because he's not going to start shooting 80 at Pebble Beach next week he's just going to get 18 holes in one every week otherwise <laughs> why would he bother I agree with you uh, I agree there's no you're not you're, every argument you put forward is extremely valid and I will hold my hands up and call myself an enormous hypocrite uh, but I guess that I just needed something to make me laugh and I love the fact <laughs> do you know what I can't argue with uh, that <laughs> and I love the fact that it was so nuanced and clever I, I get. I would if it was if it hadn't have been so clever and well written and deep 
and layered I probably would have been saying exactly the same thing but I thought the craftsmanship that when compared to the broken universe which is you know in its own sphere you know on an island pretty entertaining and creative but does not hold a candle to the thought that was put into this stuff um not even in the same ballpark and um and so I guess I give it a pass because I thought it was so of its kind and I, I don't like that sort of thing in wrestling generally just just like you but I think it can it can never be beaten I just think it was so utterly incredibly good and it makes you know you look at you talked about the stuff that Matt Hardy's doing being his best stuff on AEW I think if I'm Matt Hardy and I'm looking at that now I go oh fuck like that's that's his calling card just done infinitely better um than anything they could ever do so uh yeah i think i think we're all we're in agreement on part of it but i'm gonna hold my hands up and 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 say yep i'll i'll take the hypocrite card on this one because i just thought it was fantastic i'm not gonna drop in the name here just because we've happened to know him and have had him on the podcast but uh what is is the uh is the the words borash and jeremy a potential factor apparently in not apparently not if, no? you, if you believe what you read I don't know who, who really knows but what I've read online is that Borash was involved in the uh, Boneyard stuff that was him and Triple H and that sort of crew and the three creatives on the Firefly Funhouse were Wyatt himself John Cena and our man Bruce Pritchard is that right? Apparently, well, we according to the rumor and innuendo. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's what I've read anyway. But who knows? Who knows? I I suspect that the uh, I, I don't know how much Conrad will be allowed to delve into it, but I I I wouldn't miss next Friday. Oh uh, no, I suspect he'll be needling him about it in one way or another. Yeah, uh, I think it'd be fun to uh, yeah. fun to hear what happens there. And I would also say this is never going to be you know done anyway, but. I'd love to get in a well. First of all, I'd like to get in a, some sort of time machine and not let that lad eat a bat in Wuhan. But um, you know, w- wouldn't it be an interesting to see this uh, this particular match, this particular production done exactly as it was on Sunday, but done on a proper WrestleMania and see what the reaction uh, would have been. My reaction. I'd love to been, see the reaction. My reaction would have been very, very, very different. Yeah, I think so, and I think. For everything, I, I still I still don't give them a pass for it because I still think it's stupid and outside of its universe. But I understand why they did it. I don't think it's right, but I understand why they do it. Everything else gets a pass. Braun Strowman, Goldberg, and Becky Lynch, and Edge and Orton, and everything else gets a pass. Yeah, I, I I just haven't got the energy to fight anyone over. If you say to me Shayna Baszler should have won because she did this at the Elimination Chamber, I'd go, yeah, okay. And if you go, but it was the right thing to have Becky win because this is, I go, yeah. I just, I just can't fight you on it because I just don't think it's, it's interesting enough or important enough in the grand. Important, yeah, of course. And so I probably shouldn't fight on this one because of that, as that word, importance. But I still think you can stay within your, uh, within your parameters, and I think we have covered that to about as much as we can possibly do. So, um, any further thoughts on anything to do with WrestleMania? Uh, both from a how perspective, a WWE perspective, this is the point where we would normally start going. So, how are they going to book into TLC, and how are they going to do this for SummerSlam? And and it really isn't the time, is it? I don't think any of us can uh, really, really get involved in any well, of that because the future is just so uncertain. We should we should probably at least mention the main event, Rob. What's what's what main event? 
you know, the main event, the main event that was going to drive three and a half thousand ticket sales to our parties. We you did, know, that... we did it at the start of the show. We... Oh well, you want to analyse the match? Uh, Is that what you're saying? You're talking about Drew, Drew versus Brock Lesnar. I thought I thought we'd done Drew versus. Oh, I don't enough. think there's anything to fair talk enough. about with the match. I, d- I didn't like the match because I'm utterly sick of the the template. Drew, well, was... uh, sorry, the the Brock, the Brock Lesnar, you know, finish. It's it's basically playing SmackDown versus Raw that's, or that's not... whatever. One of those old video. One of those old video games with with multiple finishes, isn't it? That's not the Brock Lesnar template. That's the Saudi Arabia template. That's how these matches go over there. But there's been too many of them. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So they don't mean anything. It's also, you know, we've also seen it with Roman Reigns at WrestleMania and we just the F5 kick out, F5 kick out, F5 kick out. With the odd with the odd suplex in there, it's, I think it has become. A but this this literally was uh, this was very different to those Roman Reigns matches. They had a match before that. This was literally seven moves. It wasn't a match in any discernible way. It was it was seven moves. But again, probably needed to get in and out there as quick as possible. Brock Lesnar probably said. Yeah, I don't, but Brock Lesnar was probably. You said the same thing. The same thing the night before for Goldberg and Braun. Yeah, yeah, I'd say the same. It's well, you know, dread, dread, dreadful, boring, awful matches. But the point is, they needed to change the belt. Yeah, for exactly. Two for two different reasons. Obviously, they needed to get it off Goldberg, um, and they needed to crown their new guy. One thing I didn't say, we didn't talk about earlier, is, is Drew McIntyre. And again, who knows what the future holds, the immediate future. But the difference here, I feel, you know, going back to the Rumble win when everything was not so much in Bizarro Land, coin a WWE phrase. He's. It doesn't feel like they're crowning a new champion for the sake of it in Drew McIntyre. You know, how many times have we left WrestleMania with Sheamus winning the belt or whoever else? And it feels like they're just crowning a new champion. This feels like they're crowning a new megastar. Yeah, I think it does. And I think they've got a, it's an interesting task for him because I think they've tried that realistically twice since the the era of John Cena gradually ended and I'm not talking about Brock Brock is his own yeah of course yeah but they but they've tried to anoint Roman and it's failed for very obvious reasons and they've tried to anoint last year Seth Rollins and it just didn't quite work I'm a bigger Seth Rollins fan than most people seem to have been but for whatever reason it didn't quite work and that's just sometimes it goes Seth Rollins it was almost a bit of a not he's not a similar sort of worker but I think Seth Rollins might end up being looked at in championship terms as maybe like a bit of a diesel. Like if you go back and watch the Kevin Nash year or so in which he was champ, he's pretty good, you know. Mm. He carries himself really well. You know, he was a, he's a you know well-spoken. The fans seem to really engage with him. His character's consistent, and some of his matches are all right. Okay, he's wrestling Brett and Sean. but you know there's a lot to like about the yeah diesel, yeah absolutely the diesel title run, but at the time didn't draw and so you have to say it didn't work Diesel was champ didn't work and and Seth Rollins is champ didn't work and it might be the fault of the individual or it might be the fault of the company or it just might be that sometimes much like a fo- footballer can score 25 goals for one club and then transfer to another and not score sometimes it just doesn't work and you know Seth Rollins was Fernando Torres at Chelsea it just didn't it just didn't happen for him and you know he's still a rich man and scored a couple of good goals in big games and so he won't mind but um, I think the big thing is with Drew is that the last two failed, and the last two, you know, were put in that position, failed for different reasons. He has to step up. He's a different man to the other two. Um, he's not got the presence of Roman Reigns, but he's a better wrestler. 
Uh, he's not got the quickness of Seth Rollins, but he's got a different sort of presence. You know, he's a different guy entirely. But what he has got is a great story, and they have done a brilliant job, uh, not just through their chronicle on WWE uh, Network, in which Hal gets a little mention, um, but also just the social media, the stories on TV, the match itself. They've told a good story with Drew McIntyre, but they've told a good chapter one to five. But if there's 20 chapters of the book, they've still got a lot of work to do. And it'll be really interesting to see where they go next in terms of um, opponents. Again, we don't really know what's happening TV-wise, pay-per-view-wise. But if, if we were assumed everything were to go roughly back to normal, I would see him having one or two feuds with people that he ought to be beating. Um, you know, I won't say Dolph Ziggler because it's always been Dolph Ziggler. God, no, that please, sort no. of no, 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 I don't, I don't mean him, but the position that he's held in the past. Like, when, when Hogan would wrestle people like Earthquake or someone like that, like... Actually, that's not bad. That's not a very good example, because Earthquake probably did look a credible threat at the time. But every now and again, there's been mm. champions who their first couple of matches are against people that you go, well, they should be beating them. Maybe, you know, when... <laughs> maybe when Hardcore Holly was, uh, you know, <laughs> a title contender. A good at, one is ben Benoit, Benoit and Kane, isn't it? Yeah, OK, that's a good That's a good one. Yeah. Benoit Kane is a, that is a, that is a good one. And... You know, I think Drew probably needs someone like that. No one is actually jumping straight into my mind, but maybe, uh, maybe, well, maybe Rollins. You know, I know Rollins has just been beaten by Owens, but maybe Rollins is someone he can beat. Maybe, uh, you know, I suppose he's, he's changed his his tap, but like a the equivalent of I tell you who would be the perfect person about six months ago, a Samoa Joe. You yeah. Know, someone like a Samoa Joe, um, who is a good wrestler, can carry him to really good matches. Not carry him because Drew's good, but can. You know, participate in really good matches, but that Drew needs to beat because I think the crunch is going to come if you don't keep on building Drew and you do have him wrestle, let's say Roman at next year's WrestleMania. That won't be a good match. That won't be a great no. match, and you and the story will be a different one to tell. So they've got to be very delicate with Drew. Um, I'm not sold on Drew McIntyre being one of the greatest things I've ever seen, but I think he's very good and I think he's changed his presentation brilliantly and he's way more sympathetic as a babyface than I ever thought he could be. Uh, in WWE because I, I realise he had a good stint in, in TNA but this is a different league entirely and fair play to him I think he deserves I don't know the man personally but from what everything I can tell he seems to deserve it and I think he's done a brilliant job but the hard work now starts yeah agreed um, again we don't who knows or really who cares what comes in the next few weeks but I think we're going to see a long this is going to be a long term project from I think we're going to I could definitely see Roman Reigns Drew McIntyre at SummerSlam if that happens as planned with McIntyre going over um, oh, I hope so I, I think he's I think he is the man I think he's got every conceivable strength a WWE main eventer needs both in and out of the ring um, his nationality doesn't hurt one bit either especially given the, the recent focus on the UK scene he's got a great story as you mentioned um, I just think I just think he's I just think he is the absolute man. I'm surprised they didn't get round to this sooner, if I'm honest, because I remember when McIntyre had his original WWE when I saw absolutely nothing in him. People raved about him, and I just did not get it. I thought he was bland, boring, had nothing to him. Didn't didn't bat an eye when he was released. The minute he but you were right. You you were right. Maybe I was. It's, but others, I don't think he was. A, he's not a missed project. This is this is not a stone cold. This is not someone that WCW failed to do anything with, and then eventually he found his. 
He wasn't good enough. But literally, he, he he wasn't good enough. He wasn't entertaining enough. He didn't have a good enough presence. He didn't have a good enough character. He wasn't. He just was not good. I didn't enough. think so. But he went away. It gave him. It gave him a a, a rocket up his ass, and he reacted in the right way. Well, he didn't turn into. I have interviewed so many wrestlers in the past who have been been from WWE for not. I won't say any names, but they've been been for not being good enough, and they whine and they bitch and they complain and they didn't get a push and they were never given this. And one day I'm going to come back. I've got one more run in me. Blah 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 blah. And they haven't because what they don't do is go. Do you know what? I've made a mistake there. I need to change my attitude. I need to do whatever. And Drew McIntyre, from what I can tell, got bin from the company that he thought he was going to be top of the league of and had to go away and find it and go, okay, how do I change what I do? And by the way, don't take away the the emphasis of what he did when he came back here. You know, he got back involved with ICW, did he not? Well, he did, and, and, that, was, and that was immediate. Immediate. Yeah, it was immediate, and the, that helped a great deal because the Scottish fans welcomed him back in, and he was still a big star to them. He was still the, the you know, he was still their guy, and that helped him, and he refound his... You know, form like I say, it, it was like a, it was like having a, a, a Premier League striker that's struggling and having a loan move to a League Two side, and just get just score some goals, get your confidence back, and then you can start going. And I think that's what it was. I think it just, I don't think he was good enough before, but he dropped down a few levels, learned his trade again, found a bit of a character. And here's the thing: when I think back to Drew McIntyre the first time round, I don't think of him being anything more than about sort of six two, six three. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. of him being an, a fairly ordinary sized, you know, bigger than, you know, obviously than a Daniel Bryan or a Finn Balor. But, you know, I don't think of him being any bigger than, say, I don't know, someone like, you know, Val Venus. No. Or, you know, or someone like that, you know, a kind of an, or, or Bob Holly, that sort of 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, and I always used to sit, feel the same about Billy Gunn until I met him. And I was like, bloody hell, he's enormous. And Drew McIntyre is huge. He's absolutely huge. He's a massive Gigantic tall man. man. But you've got to carry yourself like one, and he didn't carry himself like a massive man mountain of a guy the first time. Now he does. Now he does, and it's a huge thing. We had a we had a podcast about three years ago when we had Nick Aldis on this program, and we talked about carrying yourself like a champion, and we talked about people like Nick Botwinkle and Harley Race and Ric Flair and various others and Bret Hart, none of whom were monsters of men, but they carried themselves as champions, not as huge men, but as champions of class. And Drew is a different kind of bracket, but he now carries himself like a monster, but not a lumbering. He's not Great Carly, he's not Kurgan the Interrogator. You know, he's a big animal of a guy that can work. And there's an interesting one on, I see someone else that's on that sort of level, but they need to make sure the presentation is right. I think they could do that with Alistair Black. Hmm, I think one day, if they get him right, they could do that with Alistair Black. That's a conversation for another day. But he's the other one on the roster I go oh man alive they could do so much more with him or he could do so much more with himself I don't know what the issue is well I think we're uh, I think there's a lot of excitement to come isn't there it's look the, the future Hopefully. the future or certainly the immediate future post-covid is looking very bright I hope so and listen we won't go into these these details but you know we could do a, another hour and a half on what might have been on NXT um, you know, and what's happening yep. there at the, at, you know, at the moment and their whole situation on a Wednesday and the people that, you know, we could talk about Charlotte being NXT champion now and we could talk about Bianca Belair getting called up and we could talk about all sorts of things that are interesting in that world. We could also talk about Brock Lesnar and what does he do now? He's been beaten a lot of times now. He's been beaten by Roman and by Seth and by Drew. Has the, has the, has the Brock Lesnar aura gone? What do you do with him? How do you bring him back? They clearly will. It'll probably be the next time they go to Saudi. But it's... 
you know, all of these are interesting points which we won't do now, but I do think there are a lot of talking points for wrestling fans to be really getting stuck into right now, even though it is a very, very odd. Maybe story. we should uh, make this more of a habit, Rob. Well, you say that. Well, I, I'm, I'm furloughed now, my friend. I've not got much better to do. Well, I do think we, you know, without letting too much daylight in upon magic, Paul has been niggling at me for a little bit of time to bring back the, the podcast, and I've relented for WrestleMania. <laughs> and I, I must say, I've, I have enjoyed this immensely. As have I, I've way missed more it. than I thought I was missed going it. to. I, I've missed this, but I want a structure. If we come back and do this, I want a structure to it, and not just talk about what's happening in wrestling this week, because that's what everyone agreed. So. Let's talk about it. Let's know. I would be interested to hear what the people would like to see. You know, would they want a podcast on a reasonable, regular basis, and what should we talk about and whatever? So, I'm happy to take requests. But yeah, I think, I think the bug has been. The, no, I shouldn't say that. I think the. Uh, I think I've got the feeling back hey, a little good bit. Good man. And so let's uh, let's think about doing something in the uh, in the near future. Cracking. I like the sound of that, mate. Thank you for thank you for being part of this. Thank you for listening to our story of the strangest WrestleMania that is, was, and probably ever shall be to ever so slightly paraphrase the hitman. Um, very quickly, Paul, mm. you've got a little project for Friday. Ooh, if people are yes. listening to this before Friday, you probably should mention that. Yes, I probably should. It's the weekly Hooked on Wrestling, not in the pub quiz. For That's not what I meant. What on earth did you mean? I meant the t-shirt thing. Oh, the t-shirt thing. Oh my goodness, I'd completely forgotten about that. Yes. It's wear your wrestling shirt to work at home day. Simple as... <laughs> wear it. It's a working tile. It's not going to change, though. Um, yeah, look. It's just a bit of fun. We're all in odd times. We're all in need of a bit of a pick-me-up. We're all working remotely or not working at all at the moment. So why not stick that wrestling shirt on, bung a couple of quid in for the NHS, um, share, some, share some fun and try and be part of a community again Rob thank you for the reminder mate I'm going to get promoting that today on uh, on the website on Facebook um, and let's see what we can do you know it's all good fun so wear your wrestling shirt it's just wear your wrestling shirt day not at work or not anything else just wear your wrestling shirt on Friday and as Paul says there is a uh, there's plenty of features going on on the, uh, the Hooked on Wrestling um, social media you should carry on uh, following us on that and seeing what's going on because if anything Paul, Paul and I are going to have more time on our hands to do these kind of uh, things and so yes the, uh, the, not, the not the pub quiz uh, has been happening over the last couple of Fridays and that will continue uh, this Friday as well so it's big day Friday it's good Friday on this Friday and we're going to make it a great Friday in terms of uh, your wrestling content so make sure you uh, join us for that um, thank you for being here for the uh, the first Hooked On podcast in just over a year can you believe um, but wow. yes I think we will uh, we will maybe try and make this uh, a slightly more regular thing even if it is an irregular time from Showbiz Paul Benson and myself Robert Nickel really really nice to have been speaking to you once again and maybe just maybe we'll see you again very soon yeah.